You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 13. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. Well, hey, my best lifers, and welcome back. Hope this finds you well in surviving the heat. In New Jersey, it has been over 95 every day for at least a week. My littlest was in camp last week, and man, the poor guy came home red and looking like a wilted plant all week. It gave me a good excuse to stay inside and work on the next podcast. This week has been great. I had a chance to interact with some awesome people on a cancer survivor and caregiver group on Facebook. I was so happy to share what I have learned and see where people are struggling. It really helps me to be able to tailor things to help my survivors get faster and better results. It was so inspiring to hear patients' stories and watch them support and love each other. I'm amazed to see the strength, resilience, and courage of some of these people. And I was reminded about how hard it is to see past the fear that comes with a cancer diagnosis. This is such a good example of what we were talking about in the second podcast and again last week. Some people think there is no way to live without fear, while other people are deciding to live their best lives in abundance and not worry unless there is something that comes up that they have to deal with. They know there is plenty of time to worry then, but even then, in truth, they aren't worrying. They are researching and problem solving. Big difference for sure. Worrying doesn't move you forward, but problem solving sure does. I have said this before, and I want to keep saying it in different ways to help it sink in. Worry doesn't prevent bad things from happening. Someone told me recently he had to worry because his cancer had spread. I asked if worrying was helping to treat the cancer, giving him more good time, or coming up with solutions. He told me no, it was not treating the cancer. No, it was actually taking away good time. And no, it was preventing him from really making a plan and sticking to it in terms of dealing with his disease. He was stuck in a what-is-the-best-option spiral, getting lots of opinions on the internet constantly and not moving forward with anything for fear of making the wrong decision. So we discussed, the worry is really mucking up the works, isn't it? In my medical opinion, the worst decision right now is no decision. That's the only thing that's guaranteed not to work, right? The light bulb went on for him, and he decided he would try to give up worry and just be in the moment with his family, because really, he feels good right now. He would pick the option that seems the best and go all in and fighting in this. So much more productive, for sure. Last week, we spent a lot of time in being present in now. This week, on the surface, may seem very similar, but what I want to teach is living in abundance. Not just today, but writing your story from a place of abundance in your past and establishing the expectation of abundance in your future. These two concepts together, from staying in now in terms of dealing with worry and creating a life story of abundance, work well together, and both techniques are amazing at increasing your life joy metric. I came up with that term this week, and I did an internet search, and I think it's maybe a term I've created for you guys. For me, it's how I measure my life, not in financial success, status, or other tangible things, in a life joy metric. 
This is how much joy is there in my life overall? How much on a daily basis? How focused am I on creating more in my future? How am I able to see my past in a way that brings joy? This whole month, we have worked on this from finding ways to create more joy in each week from small things to letting go of the worry that saps joy in the present to creating a story of abundance and joy and outlining a future with expectations of more joy to come. I have to tell you, this writing our past story is one of my favorite things. I am a huge believer of seeing what we have created in our lives, both good and bad, with our thoughts and beliefs, and then deciding what we want to create moving forward. I know sometimes people think I have a life that seems so easy, but the truth is, every life has its challenges and its joys, and I have worked really hard for many years to create this life. My life is the result of conscious thoughts as to how and where to spend my time and energy to create the greatest joy possible for me and my family. I will be the first to admit, though, I have also manifested some not-so-great things over the years. At one point, I weighed almost 200 pounds. I had a broken relationship with my biological mother and more. So today, I'm going to tell you quickly about a few of the things I created through purposeful generation of good thoughts. And I'm also going to let you see one of the things I created by not paying attention to my thoughts. Then, I will go through how to do this process for yourself, how to assess what you have created, good or bad, and whether you want to continue it. So I think the first thing people see when they look at my life from the outside is often my family. I have four boys, and they are funny and smart, and to my eye at least, they are handsome. But what some people don't know is that the first three are the result of years of infertility treatments. It took me almost four years of treatment to have my first. Months of blood work, invasive ultrasounds, failed procedures, and more. It was painful and made me feel like crap a lot of the time. But after every failed cycle, I bought an item of maternity clothes. That may seem crazy. Who thinks they want to wear maternity clothes? But for me, it was a thought that eventually this treatment would work, turned into something tangible, affirming that at some point I was going to need and use them. For everyone who has had fertility treatments, they know every failed cycle comes with huge hormonal swings. For me, a miscarriage along the way as well, a year into the fertility treatments brought more depression, but my thought at that point was if I could stick it out and stay with the course, eventually I would have a child. This thought allowed me to keep plugging along even though my body really wanted me to take a break. Ultimately, I did get pregnant, but found out that I had a baby with an abnormal umbilical cord and a heart defect. We were told that he might have a genetic problem like Downs, and he definitely would need open-heart surgery soon after birth. We got testing done, and were so grateful to find out that his genes were normal. In the moment, the thought that we had was that hearts can be fixed, but genes currently can't. We actually felt blessed at that moment that we had a child who needed a heart surgery. If there was a problem, it was one that we could fix. He was born and did need open-heart surgery at six weeks old. Again, we got to pick our thoughts. The ones that helped in that time, we are so blessed that we are living now, not 30 years ago, when this was likely a death sentence for an infant. We are so lucky that we are both medical and can understand this, that the ICU is not so scary and overwhelming. I went on to have two more high-risk pregnancies with a trimester of daily bleeding with my twins and a clotting disorder with my last that could have been life-threatening. But what I chose to take from that journey is not that it was so hard, 
and so unfair that we never got an easy, fun pregnancy. I didn't write my story telling myself it was an awful time in our lives. I wrote my story to be that we were so blessed to be able to create the family of our dreams. I look back and know if I hadn't been able to find a way to keep going through those years of fertility treatments, our life would be so different. I am proud that I was able to keep plugging along, even though it was scary, sad, and uncomfortable. I truly believe my thoughts manifested my four kids, because without my thoughts first, the fertility treatments would not have been given the chance to work. I see such a parallel to this in cancer care. Even though having a cancer is harder, scarier, more painful, more uncomfortable, and doesn't come with the joy of a baby at the end. To get through treatment, you have to have a thought convincing yourself it is going to work, creating a vision of the future that helps you get through the hard times. And then, after treatment, choosing a thought that allows you to have pride in how you dealt with one of the toughest times in your life. You also have the opportunity to create a story moving forward that your cancer has paved the way for a life of even more abundance. Some of the happiest patients I have are the ones who, after treatment, tell me that having cancer just let them let go of all the small stuff that detracted from their daily happiness before. They no longer care if the house is perfect before they go for a swim with their kids. They no longer need a clean refrigerator to feel that they can sit and enjoy a cup of coffee without guilt. They know that working more efficiently and setting boundaries with their job allows them to make time for what really matters in life, and they get home for dinner every night with their family. This is so good, and it starts with writing your story of your past and your future, creating a story for yourself that helps you see things in the best light. I'm going to illustrate this for you quickly in two ways. One is the story I could tell, and let me tell you up front. I despise this story, and this is not how I see myself, and it's not how I want you to see me. Then I will tell you the one I do tell. Then you will see how you can write your past story and create your future story to give you a sense of living your best life. Keep in mind, both of these stories I tell you are absolutely true, but what story gives me the best experience of my life to date? I'll let you decide. Okay, so I'm going to tell how I could see my life first. During college, one of my best friends died of ovarian cancer. It sucked so much of the joy out of my college experience. I got into medical school, but not my first choice school. I got really sick during my first trimester and failed a test because of that, and I spent the rest of the first year living in terror that I would have to repeat the year. I got into a radiation oncology residency, but was the only woman in the program at the time, and it was not a great situation. I had to commute an hour each way because my husband was doing his residency in a different city, so we lived in between, and it was so much harder for me than other residents. I also started infertility treatments during residency. That made things even more difficult because sometimes I didn't feel well. I got a job, but still couldn't get pregnant. There was no joy in the whole process, and it was all misery and stress. When I finally did get pregnant, the whole pregnancy was stressful because the baby had a heart problem. He needed surgery, and we had to see him on a ventilator and stuck with tubes and catheters. I went on to have two more high-risk pregnancies with lots of stress, testing, misery, and discomfort. I see so many people who tell themselves the story of their lives like this, how bad their life has been, why everyone should feel sorry for them. 
I can't tell you strongly enough. This does not serve us. There is no gratefulness, no sense of abundance, no sense that I am strong, resourceful, and amazing in this story. I don't like this person, and I bet no one else would either. The story I do tell myself is this. I am one of the lucky people who knew in college exactly what they wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go to medical school. In my first year in college, my friend Colleen was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 19 years old. She ended up dying from her disease. It was a journey that was heartbreaking, but taught me how I wanted to live my life and how I wanted to serve others. I wanted to give other people a cure from cancer and hope and love. I was not just going to go to medical school. I was going to be an oncologist and take that loss and turn it into something for all the patients that I treated through the years. In all honesty, if you're my patient and listening to this, and I spent time with you, gave you hope, comfort, and love, along with radiation, you owe it to a 19-year-old girl who died of her cancer. I got into medical school in the city I wanted to stay in. How great is that? Along the way, there were some bumps in the road, which comes with doing something really hard. During my first semester, I was really sick with a high fever and an ear infection that led to a perforated eardrum during my midterms. Unfortunately, I failed my first anatomy exam during that time. They told me it was very unlikely that I could possibly come back from that and I would likely have to repeat my first year. I went on to prove them wrong, getting the second highest grade in the class on the final, beaten only by my study partner. I was so proud of my hard work in that moment, and it really reinforced that I can create whatever I really put my mind to if I'm just willing to work hard enough. I got a residency in Philadelphia, and when my husband graduated from medical school the following year, he matched at a program in New Brunswick about an hour away. We got married and were so lucky to have matches in cities close enough that we could live together during residency. There was even a train I could take to work so I could study or rest every day instead of fighting traffic. I was the first woman in the program in many years, and I was proud to see that I could hold my own in the group and pave the way for more female residents as years went by. That lesson from my first year in medical school really helped there. I knew I could do anything if I just worked hard enough, and I knew that the only thing that could stop me was my lack of belief. My husband and I wanted to start a family, and even though that was challenging, we were in a place with good doctors who could help us when we realized we would need fertility treatments. The fertility treatments were another place I realized that sometimes you just have to accept discomfort to get what you really want in life. It was so worth it. We needed IVF with ICSI, ultimately, which is about as high-tech as it gets. But the miracle of our journey, they let us see our embryos under the microscope. I saw my first child when he was only 16 cells. He had a heart defect and needed open-heart surgery, but we lived close to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and were able to get world-class care. I was so grateful looking at all the other patients in the ICU that day, looking so scared that the lights and alarms and machines were familiar to us. I didn't need a nurse to tell me an alarm was no problem and could interpret the data for myself. It was amazing to see our baby after surgery. Even though he was on a ventilator with tons of catheters, wires, and tubes sticking out of him, his lips were pink. Before the surgery, they were always a bit blue. We got a smile out of thinking he looked like they put lipstick on him, even though the day was stressful. I went on to have two other high-risk pregnancies, 
but my high-risk team was amazing and discovered that I had a clotting problem. I am certain that putting me on blood thinners saved my life in the last pregnancy, and I know how very lucky I am that all four children survived that issue as well. It is really miraculous. This is my story. This is my life. I am strong, resourceful, resilient, blessed, hardworking, and more. I like this person, and I respect her. Today, you are going to look at the story you currently have written for yourself. Do you like yourself in the story? Maybe I should say that even stronger. Do you love and respect yourself in your story? If you don't, it is in your power to brainstorm and create a story where you do love and respect yourself. Do you like your story itself? Does it seem like a story full of blessing? If it is not, rewrite it. In times of hardship, where were you resourceful, strong, smart, or even just loved and supported by everyone you knew? Where in life were you lucky? Where did you work really hard? What are you proud of? What were the blessings you might not be appreciating? How were the hard times preparing you or making you stronger? I actually think this is so powerful to actually write out, even redo it over the years. I did my first story about 18 months ago, and I thought it was the most powerful, amazing story then. But I redid it again recently after living into that story and getting to a point where it was my story. I believed it and rarely thought of the old story. When I went back, getting to a place where I fully believed my rewritten story, I was able to tweak it and make it even better. And now I am working on living into that one and seeing it as my reality. I will tell you, in my first attempt, I didn't see how failing the exam gave me strength and confidence later in life. I'm sure it helped me plug through residency and also the infertility treatments. When you start telling yourself the old story, say firmly and committed, no, that is not my story, and remind yourself what your real story is. What I have written for myself now is that I've manifested everything I have in my life. I found 10 things that I really feel I worked for and created that I wanted. These include my career, my family, a peaceful life focused on gratitude, a life lived with adventure and travel. I show how I created them with my thoughts. I also remind myself how I unintentionally manifested a weight problem with my thoughts. I didn't believe this for many years because I thought I was just happy, but the truth is I felt happy because I was smashing down my negative feelings with food and alcohol. I had a thought that I didn't deserve to feel bad ever when talking to my patients because I was healthy, my spouse and kids were healthy, I didn't have cancer. I felt like I owed it to the patients to be positive, happy, and I told myself that if we were healthy, we had nothing to complain about. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised to find there were negative feelings under all that, right? When it came to food or alcohol, I had thoughts of, I deserve this, today was hard, today was sad, or even just, I don't want to feel bad about everything I saw today. I self-medicated, often with bread and chocolate. I got up to almost 200 pounds. I created that with my thoughts. I manifested my sadness in a layer of fat over my body. I numbed myself to my pain and added actually more misery to my life as I struggled with my weight, body image, and things like fatigue and joint pain that came from hauling all that mass around. I joined a life coaching group for female physicians, and I realized I could create what I wanted with my body just like I had created what I wanted for my life. It is just changing my thoughts there as well. 
If you are struggling with weight, by the way, my first Life Coaches podcast is amazing. It's called Weight Loss for Busy Physicians with Dr. Katrina Ubell. It's geared for doctors, but totally applicable for all people. Check it out if weight is one of your big issues. I will touch on weight from time to time, but I will not do the deep dive Katrina does. So this week, look for what you are creating with your thoughts, both good and bad. If it is an overweight body, look for what thoughts are creating that. If it is a life of worry, look for what thoughts are creating that as well. We all have the opportunity to create what we want. If you want to live a life without worry, a life of abundance, you have it in your power to create it with your story. Once you create a life of abundance in your past, you can move forward and brainstorm how you want to create this in your future. I currently am working on manifesting a new chapter in my life where I help thousands of people, not just the hundreds I see in person, where I free myself from my weight struggles permanently, where I create a life of joy with small moments daily and big swaths of joy that gleam like beacons when I look back at my life from things like epic travel and true connection with family and friends. I don't just hope for it. I plan for it. I figure out what I need to do to get it. For sure, we will talk more about that at some point in the future. But right now, see what you have created and use that knowledge to plan what you want to create. Okay, everyone. Have a great, great week. Stay cool and create some joy. I'll talk with you soon. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.